Good morning, baseball fans. Welcome to the 19th edition of the Walk Off Fuck. Today is August 22nd, 2016. Glad you are able to join us today. My name is Kevin Kim. I'm along with my co-host, Tom Mulhern. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kev. How you doing? Not bad, not bad. So, the Red Sox had a pretty nice weekend series versus the Tigers. Uh, even though they lost their first game, which we covered on Friday's podcast, they went 2-1 and one for the rest of the series versus the Tigers. Um, so the Red Sox now sit at 69-54. and 54. Uh, Half game off uh, from the American League East lead. So before we delve too much into the Beantown banter, anything you want to add or say, Tom? Yes. And this is kind of part of the B-Town banter, but this is not part of our agenda um, for today. I just want to give a quick shout-out to my boy, Andrew Benatendi, for hitting his first home run yesterday. First career home run. And, yeah, uh, would have been better at Fenway Park, but it had to come at some point. That's it. First of many to come. Glad to see that. So, okay. So, like we said, the Red Sox are 16-54. They're half game behind the Blue Jays. On Friday, they beat the Tigers 10-2 to in a blowout win. But on Saturday, they lost the... Uh, well, they won 3-2 to on Saturday as well. But on Sunday, the Red Sox lost 10-5 to on a well-pitched game by Justin Verlander. Yeah. So, the AL East picture is looking firmly like a three-team race it has been for a while already but it was nice to see boston you know split a series against a really good team even though it was just a split it wasn't a win they were still able to you know they lost the game by henry owens that doesn't really count quote unquote and you know against a hot team like the tigers i mean the red sox did pretty well yeah no um the thing that uh has been killing the Red Sox in this uh, this race that's really put them behind is that they'll go on a streak like they did when they won six straight and then they'll lose and then they'll which they did on Thursday and then they'll just go on a tear of losing and go right back to where they started while the Orioles and the Blue Jays will just keep winning well that didn't happen this weekend you know they lost but they bounced back and totally blew out the Tigers 10 to 2 and then th- and then beat them in a close game which almost never happens for the Red Sox especially when they score fewer than 5 runs you know that just it doesn't happen and that's that's really you know that's the kind of clutch performances that you want to see out of them i mean yeah it would have been nice for the Red Sox to win yesterday on Sunday um but, you know, with Henry Owens pitching, and we'll get into that, um, you can't really expect too much out of that game. But, yeah, it was just overall, it was really good to see. They looked very comfortable in the game, and they looked like, you know, a, a baseball team. <laughs> Even a bod came in for a couple of games during the series. Low leverage situations, but you still scored two scoreless innings. So, great to see that. David Ortiz really putting in the work, a couple of multi hit games with a couple of home runs in the series. So it's great to see him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, JBJ with a couple home runs as well. So Yeah, JBJ with more than a couple home runs. <laughs> he was, what was it, four in six games or something like that? Something like that, yeah. So 
we you you briefly mentioned Henry Owens. This guy really coming up from AAA. You know, we've seen Henry Owens come up through the system as a top prospect year after year. He's six foot six lefty, you know, he can throw that fastball. Uh well it maybe it's more deceptive than it actually is, so it seems like it's fast. But last year when he came up, uh he showed some promise. Um, but this year in his four starts, he really hasn't shown much, and that kind of continued yesterday. Yeah, and you know it it extends even beyond what he's shown this season. In the in spring training, management was just totally underwhelmed with what he was doing. Everybody was expecting him after last year to uh to step in and become you know the fifth or fourth guy in the rotation, and uh he is having some serious control issues. And that was, you know, it's been, that's been evident in each of the four starts that he's had, especially um, yesterday. He had five walks in five innings in the game before that six walks in three innings in the game before that three walks and then four walks. It's just, he's walking too many people. And then when he's, and then when after he walks them, he also has a home run problem. Yesterday, he allowed two home runs, both of them to Justin Upton, both of them three-run home runs. You know, every single outing that he's performed in, he's allowed a home run. Not only is he missing the plate, but like you said, maybe his stuff is a little bit more deceptive um, than, you know, real. Uh, and people are able to make contact off of him, too. Uh, how, how should how should he fix his command? How is, how, like, what, what are the issues that stem that? are contributing well, to his walk problem. Well, obviously, obviously I'm no pitching coach, but something that I've noticed um, with these pitchers is when they're having command issues, it's usually the timing of their delivery of the ball. It could be, um, you know, too much movement distracting their arm slot of in when they're in their windup or even when they're in the stretch. You know, some guys have a funky um, little... Uh, hitch when they go to throw uh i haven't seen any of that but you know my guess would would be uh if pitching coach carl willis is going to try to fix something i'd probably say it's going to be his arm slot i mean that's what they did with clay buckles uh they worked on his arm slot because he wasn't really hitting his corners and such he was having some location uh issues and now he's better after fixing that arm slot yeah definitely um we're we're just happy that Henry Owens isn't the fifth man. He was called in because Erod was hurt, or Eduardo. Yeah. Let's call <laughs> Eduardo. <laughs> we didn't think he would miss this start, but Eduardo, you know, uh, John Farrell just taking some precaution and taking, uh, just take, uh, giving him a day off. Looks like he will probably make his scheduled start on Friday. So. Yeah. And let me just say that, you know, Obviously, Boston fans, you expect uh, you expect a lot so soon out of people because you know this is the city of champions. But Henry Owens is only 24. You know he's got he's got time. Yeah, you can't give up on him quite yet. And yeah. he's he's found some success in Triple A this year and the years past. So hopefully he can control his walk issues and be a productive pitcher for the Red Sox going forward. Well, the other thing we want to talk about is the situation of the bullpen. 
So we've seen that Tazawa, Junichi Tazawa, has not really performed very well in the past few outings. Uh, in Saturday's game, which was a very close one, Tazawa, instead of being used, uh, Ziegler, Ziegler came in earlier in the game in a high leverage situation, but uh, instead of Tazawa coming in for the 8th, which Farrell normally has done, uh, Matt Barnes decided to come in and record the first two outs. He did give up a couple of walks, but Craig Kimbrell came in for the last out and then notched a save and uh, notched a clean inning in the ninth for the save. So it's interesting how Tozawa has been really removed, even though he has a track record and Farrell seems to be making a couple of changes to the bullpen here. Yeah, I mean, this is... This is kind of just uh, just one game, but at the same time, you know, he had rest to be able to come in um, in this situation. I think I think Farrell is trying to really limit his setup role in the sense that he'll come in every few games instead of, you know, putting him in in consecutive games or every other game, you know, because this guy has been used a lot and... Like we've said before in this podcast, he just has a dead arm right now. And any rest that he can get will definitely be useful. And it's not like the Red Sox don't have the depth to be able to, uh, you know, fill in for Tozawa. I mean, Matt Barnes, he's been a great pitcher this year. He's a three four nine ERA. And, you know, those um, those performances most of the time have spoke better than a, than that three four uh, nine ERA. I mean... The difference between Barnes in this situation and Tozawa is Barnes allowed two walks. And obviously Kimbrell was the one who came in and, and got the third out. But Tozawa was allowing home runs and, <laughs> and extra base hits. He was floating. He's been floating his split finger fastball, which is his best pitch. And, you know, you can't do that because a splitter, as you know, most people know, it's either working and it's a strikeout pitch or, or or a ground ball pitch, or if it doesn't work, almost always it's going to be big flies. You're going to launch it. And, you know, Matt Barnes, he's a fastball pitcher, and that's kind of what you want in a setup guy because you want – I mean, that's what Kimbrell is. You know, he's going to overpower the, the hitters with his fastball and pump in a couple of breaking balls and changeups every once in a while. Uh, but, yeah, I thought I thought Barnes, despite the two walks, you know – he did have a strikeout. I think he did well in the this eighth inning role, and uh, I think you know him and Ziegler can split it up. We talked about Clay Buckles possibly grabbing that role once to uh, and get Tazawa yeah. out of there, but it doesn't. Uh, I mean, Barnes seems pretty fit for the role, like you said. I yeah, would... I you see. I said that thing about Clay uh, a couple of episodes episodes ago, but. I forgot about Matt Barnes. I totally rescind my decision about Clay Buckles. He's not that he's doing poorly. I think that he would still fit well in this role. But you know, Matt Barnes might fit in it better, and Buckles can take over those uh, more low leverage situations in the sixth and seventh innings. You know who would be even better than Matt Barnes? Oh, Jonathan Papelbon. He'd be a lights out eighth inning guy or seventh inning no, guy. No, I don't think that's. The longer that it takes, you know, reports are saying that the less likely it is that Pat Barnes is going to come to Boston. 
So hey, you know, if it happens, you know, I'll be so happy. You know, Papelbon, he was one of my, he was one of my boys back in the day. I never actually met him. It's, he's not. Yeah, no, I can only imagine what your reaction will be when, when and if actually I should oh say the, the Red Sox. Rejoice. That podcast is. Yeah. It's gonna be lit. <laughs> Tazawa did come in yesterday in yesterday's ten five game, uh, but he gave up two runs in two innings. So there you go, man. I mean, yeah, you know he's just yeah he's and that's the thing. That's why you want to rest him as as much as possible because we we know and we've seen even earlier this season he's not this kind of a pitcher. He's a reliable guy. It's just once it gets to these. You know, late season games, which, you know, is the time that you need him the most. I think that he's been used too much before and that he's just tired. I That's what it was last year. That's what it was the year before. I mean, he was good in 2013, but, you know, that was two years younger. But I guess we'll see what happens with him moving forward. I honestly, I feel like they're going to, uh, the Red Sox are going to put him into a six-inning situation until he can show that he can get out of this funk. I mean, it looks like it looks like the Red Sox may non-tender Tazawa after the year for his last year of arbitration. Yeah, I think he'll be just fine. Um, I I I believe he'll be just fine, but results ha- so far has not really shown it. So yeah. Uh, otherwise, in the AL, like we said. Red Sox are half game out from the AL East lead, but they do have a two game lead on the wild card over the Orioles. Looks like an AL East kind of playoff party that's going on over here. Baltimore seems to have kind of fizzled out with their pitching, uh, yeah. losing a lot of game, a lot of high score games to the Astros. And other than that, I mean, I mean, I just want to say one other quick thing, you know. Some team that we gave up on that, you know, might have a chance to make the wild card. How about the Yankees? You know, the AL East are the only is the only division with four teams above five hundred, with the Yankees being fourth in sixty three and sixty. They're also the only division where the one through four is separated by six and a half games. You know, maybe even the Yankees could pull a two thousand eleven Tampa Bay Rays and just totally come back. Um, and take that Elise lead. You know, it's we, stranger things have happened, and you know, there's about 35 plus games left on the schedule. The Elise is just so competitive. The Yankees definitely putting in the work. The Royals winning eight straight. They are half a game ahead of the Yankees, but both teams are obviously still in it. Seattle is a game back of Baltimore. Detroit is two and a half games back of Baltimore, and Houston is three and a half games back from the second wild card. So it's going to be a wild finish. Um, for me, I would say don't count out the Royals. Hot streak aside, you know, we've seen we've seen this from a from an experienced team like the Royals just coming back late at the end of the year, getting that wild card spot. But we'll that's see. what happened in their first World Series run. They and nobody expected anything from the Royals, and then all of a sudden they just started stringing together a ton of wins, and then they got the wild card, uh, beat the A's in the wild card game, and then just cruised on to the World Series. It, it, we've seen it before. I wouldn't be surprised. Just like you said, you know, I didn't even 
to be honest with you, they've just been so under the radar. I didn't even know until you just said that they've won eight straight games and they're 64 and 60 now. I counted them out, but they're right in there, right in the thick of the wild card race. So, like you said, it's going to be a very exciting finish. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So that's going to be it for the Beantown banter. Now let's talk about something that's going to have a major impact on the game. So on Thursday, the baseball owners met up in their quarterly meeting to talk about the collective bargaining agreement and how changes could be made to the game. And some of the changes were very radical. Like I said, uh, for example, limiting pitching changes. Um, The owners talked about reducing the number of defensive shifts in the game, uh, changing the strike zone, perhaps the strikeouts were an issue, and the biggest thing for me at least, installing pitch clocks within pitches where they would place a 20 second limit on pitches, on in between pitches. That's a huge change. I mean, minor league baseball has adopted it. There were some uh, uses in pitch uh, in spring training as well. Uh, some positive and negative effects on that as well. Uh, Tom, what do you want to say about the changes that are proposed? Okay, so so the way that the MLB puts it um, when they presented to the uh, MLB owners, they brought up the point that the game has changed dramatically uh, since, you know, the old-timey uh, period when baseball was, you know, America's pastime. You know, us baseball fans like to consider that it still is, but let's be honest, football is kind of, you know, topping baseball, even basketball in ratings. It's just the games have gone so long. Uh, the schedule is already 162 games, you know, and that's that's fine for baseball lovers. But, you know, for people who, you know, aren't diehard baseball fans like you and me, Kevin, it's you know, the point that the, the MLB is trying to make is that they are trying to get the game kind of back a little bit to what it was, sort of, by if they limit the pitching changes, if they restrict the defensive shifts, you know, there weren't as many pitching changes back in the day, not because they, not because uh, managers, you know, were controlling their games poorly, but starters, you know, there wasn't this... 100 innings cap, you know, starters were throwing 150, 175 pitches, you know, it made the game go smoothly. And, you know, the defensive shifts, there were almost none before. And, you know, it allowed more hits and it allowed higher scoring games. They want the game to get back to what it was. And I cannot blame them for wanting to do that because of what, how glorious baseball was then. But, you know, you don't see the NBA trying to change back to the to the way that it was before by taking away the three-point line. You don't see football trying to go back to the, you know, uh, I'm going to kill you mentality uh, by taking away concussion protocols and uh, all those rules of hitting. You know, games change. And they change more often than not for the better. You know, like the owners said, you know, the game has naturally, you know, transitioned into a different time. So why not just embrace it? You know, it really shows the baseball minds as in managers for, like, Bruce Bochy. You know, sometimes he'll make three pitching changes in one inning. And, yeah, it takes longer, but it works, and it's how you win games. The defensive shifts, 
they're there for a reason. You know, how many hits would David Ortiz have if there weren't defensive shifts? You know, that it, it I can't even fathom how many. Well, the biggest uh, problem the MLB is trying to uh, appease is length of time of the game. Yeah. So the average, the average time in between pitches, is around twenty-five seconds. So, and there are what say two hundred fifty pitches in a game. So if yeah. we cut off five seconds from every, uh, five seconds from in between in between every pitch, that's twelve hundred fifty seconds. So that's saving six minutes a of the of game. It. That's yeah. uh, well, hold on, six. Wait, no, that's 1,200 seconds divided by 60. That's 20 minutes. That's saving 20 minutes off a game. So that's, that's interesting to me because, one, you got to think about the pitcher's health. If oh, I'm just talking pitch count uh, in between pitches here. That's yeah. That's what I'm focused on. Talk about the pitcher's health. Is it healthy for them to, you know, uh, spend so much more time uh, taking in between pitches? And two, if it doesn't, like, what... What type of negative effects does it have on the game other than, you know, just speeding it up, giving giving the pitchers, giving, um, you know, other than the health, I don't really see, like, major health distractions. Um, yeah. Are you, you're saying, you know, you don't see the, uh, the negative... I don't see logical negative, um, rational negative issues. I understand, like, the whole, you know, changing things, like, why change things if they're not bad, but at this point, it is bad that the time is taking, that so much time is in between the pitches. Yeah. And really, I don't see a reason against that. I don't know about the shifts, though, because shifts are kind of, I won't say part of the game, but what is a negative to not having shifts? Because... By limiting number of shifts, you're not changing the time of the game. You're not get taking away from the fun of the game. And like, it's... even if there isn't, like, how are you going to assign players to certain parts of the field? Like, are you gonna point lasers at them? Like, are you gonna yeah. like, carve out like a piece of turf to like that they can only stand there at a given? Uh, I'm not sure if that's practical either. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I think uh is the reason for the defensive shifts is. You know, obviously, they want to make the game shorter, but they also want to make the games more exciting. And for people who, like I said before, who aren't really major baseball fans, they might not appreciate the fact that, you know, sometimes there's going to be a one nothing game. You know, you look at the NBA, there's no, you know, defense anymore. Well, some somewhat, but, you know, most of the teams are scoring upwards of 100 points. It's exciting. Look, the NFL. So you're saying are... more points is more exciting for the fans. Yes, so they, exactly. So they're trying to increase the offense. Yes, and that's that's what I think. That's what I think is the reason for that. Even though it would take make the game longer, you know, it, that's why they want to limit the pitching changes and have, uh, you know, fewer time in between pitches. But I kind of have a little bit of a problem with it. Uh, it the uh the clock in between pitches because. You know, it's not like it's not like pitchers and batters are using that time to just, you know, for the sake of time. They're thinking. They're thinking and strategizing, what should I do with this pitch? Uh, what is the pitch for the batter? What is this pitch going to be? 
you know, where is it, where is it going to be? The pitcher's thinking, okay, what is this hitter trying to think of what I'm going to do? How can I trick him? You know, how can I, you know, what, what pitches should I accept from my catcher? You know, they're constantly thinking it's a thinking man's game or woman. I mean, there are girls who play baseball. I didn't need to say that, but anyway, you know, it's, it's a thinking game and you know, those, you take away those five seconds. Yes. It'll make the game 20 minutes faster, but you're also sacrificing some of that thinking that goes into each and every pitch that, you know, really can make or break a performance. So, Well, if the rule was adapted, I would say players would adapt themselves so that they would have to think, make quicker decisions. So maybe more mentally tough people will be able to uh, be in the game. Thrive. They'll be able yeah. to thrive, and maybe there's kind of like a Darwinist type of evolution where uh, stronger players are the ones that last, stronger pitchers. So yeah, no, that's, I, there's that's there's true. a lot of, there's a lot of different sides to it. Uh, I yeah. think overall, trying to decrease the time of the games is smart because let's face it, everybody is strapped for time nowadays. You know, in the age of social media and the age of instant gratification, I mean, everybody. Time is like the most important thing to people, and uh, you can't blame MLB. You can't blame Rob Manfred for trying to make those types of changes. But yeah, he's trying to draw more viewers, and and there's absolutely 100% nothing wrong with that. Baseball is a great game. Why not try to expose expose more, more people to this game? Um, I guess you know after you said it like that, you know I guess I wouldn't have problem with the uh with the pitch count i mean the pitch clock i mean it's working so well in the minors that they've been trying it on uh you know games are still going on you know life goes on the only thing that i really have a problem with is limiting well i guess two of the things limiting pitching changes and restricting defensive shifts because defensive shifts that kind of seems arbitrary i mean yeah i agree with that the number of pitching changes i would say it would it would make it would it would just make teams carry less pitchers and they would have more value they would give more value to say multi inning guys. Yeah. And so maybe it'll even hurt their arms more by forcing them to go longer. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. And what happens what happens if you reach your limit and a guy's struggling and he you know, he needs to come out of the game? But you reached your limit, you know. Oh, I can't, I can't change this pitcher. So, this guy's going to keep allowing hits and hits and hits, and he's going to keep going and going and going, and his arms going to get more tired and more tired and more I'm tired. I'm assuming the limiting then, pitching changes will be something like a pitcher must pitch an inning or something like that. Uh, not necessarily. You only have a set number of pitchers per game, because then well, we would run yeah, into a I situation feel, like yeah. yours. No, no, no. I mean, it, it makes sense because we are presented only limiting pitching changes, but. I, I don't know for certain. We'll see. We'll see the details as it comes out, and we'll make yeah. a more informed decision. But it's overall, it's nice that MLB is adapting to the current environment and not just staying still. Just because it's a hundred plus year game doesn't mean that it can't use some improvements. Um, whether those improvements fans will like, uh, we'll see about that. But. Everything has its ups and downs, and hopefully we'll be able to see the positives in these changes rather than negatives once it is implemented. So yeah, uh, that's going to be it for the 
19th episode of the Walk Off Bok. Be sure to check us on Twitter at Walk Off Bok Pod. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Search Walk Off Bok with a hyphen hey. in the podcast search bar. Um, and yeah, for Tom Mulhern, this is Kevin Kim. We will be signing out. All right, see ya. iTunes, yeah. Peace. Well.